Church family, third service, or, oh, it's afternoon, just kidding. I take it back. Um, anyways, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share God's word with you guys today. Excited to be here. Um, excited to share with you guys. I've, I said the first couple services, this church, you guys, the people here mean a ton to us. Um, my wife and I met here and uh, got sent off to Bible college here and been really close, a lot of good friends with people here and been blessed by you guys. So I hope I'll be able to bless you guys today by giving you God's word. So let's, uh, let's pray. I'll pray and then we'll get into it. Um, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you uh, so much for uh, your love, God, how much, you, how much you love us, God. And I just pray that this morning that we all would, would leave here knowing your great love for us, God, knowing... Um, yeah, just your power and that you care for us, God, and uh, just open our eyes. Give us eyes to see what you'd have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so one of the, the most um, amazing things, the most incredible things that I had ever uh, experienced, I was 14 years old, and I was in Denver, Colorado. It was February 18th, 2006. It was a Saturday night and it was the Colorado State Wrestling Tournament. And I was a freshman and I had uh, got eliminated from the tournament the day before, but this was Saturday night. This was the big show. This was uh, the state championship finals match. And uh, I was in the crowd. There was 20,000 people that packed the Pepsi Center Arena. And at this time there was 40,000 eyeballs that were set on the 125 pound match. It was uh, a guy named Tommy Valdez from Alamosa, I still remember their names, and Marcus Hernandez, and they were going at it, and it was, uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was so intense, there was times, it, was, it would get so loud that I could barely even hear myself think, and then there would be times where there was such anticipation, it would, you could hear like a, a pin drop, right? And so going back and forth, and as the time's going down, uh, the time ended, it was a back and forth match, seven to six, Marcus Hernandez won, his hand was raised in victory and the crowd went crazy. It was wild, it was the only match the whole night where, where this wrestler got a standing ovation. Two times actually, he got two times standing ovation. And so it was an, uh, an incredible thing to, to witness, especially as a freshman, something still that's ingrained in my memory. But what makes this even more incredible was that Marcus Hernandez uh, was actually blind. He had been blind since the fourth grade. And so, yeah, amazing. And I, I'm, I, I say that because um, the story that we're gonna get into today, um, as incredible as that story, Marcus, uh, the blind wrestler, we're gonna get into a story today about Bartimaeus, the blind beggar. And his story, I would submit to you, is even more incredible, just the transformation that happens in his life, Jesus healing him, and then what, what is incredible about this story too is that his story is also our story. His story is, a believe, is every, every believer's story. So we can identify it with him through this story. And so without further ado, let's go. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. That will be our text for this morning. 
I'm gonna read God's word here. Verse 46 says, then they came to Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I wanna see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. That's our story this morning. And as Pastor Ross would say, it divides quite nicely. <laughs> verse, uh, verse 46. <laughs> 46, we have, uh, we're gonna take a look at the, the pitiful condition of blind, blind Bartimaeus. 47 through 49, we're gonna hear the persistent call. In verse 50 through 52, we're gonna experience the precious conversion. But again, before uh, we take a look at Bart, I wanna let us know what we see here in the text that there's this divine intersection that happens. A group of people, um, Jesus, the disciples and the crowd have this divine intersection with blind Bartimaeus. And so uh, we'll see, let's, let's see what's going on here. Why are Jesus and the disciples and the crowd, what are they doing? Well, they're heading uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem. They're making the 18 mile voyage to celebrate the Passover celebration. Right, so hundreds of thousands of Jews from all over the then known world are gonna be uh, swarming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Um, but this time, the Passover, it was gonna be, it was gonna be very different. For this time, Jesus wasn't going into uh, the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, but to actually be the Passover himself. He was going there to give his life, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, to, be, um, to give his life a ransom for many. And so that's what he was doing. So it was quite different this time. And see, we hear uh, the disciples as well, the disciples and the crowd, they too thought things were gonna be quite different, but they were mistaken. You see, they knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but they had a wrong perspective of what the Messiah was gonna do. You see, there was this anticipation um, that the Messiah and what they had thought is the Messiah was gonna go into Jerusalem and by strength and by might, uh, military politically wipe out the Romans and set free uh, the Jews and to establish his kingdom that was, that was never gonna end. And so we see here that these disciples, that's what they think is going on. They think the new administration over the hill is gonna happen, the kingdom's gonna be set up and uh, that they're gonna rule and reign, right? And that's right, right before this, we see uh, the disciples, John and uh, James and John uh, arguing or asking about, you know, can I be number one versus number two in the, in the com coming kingdom? They thought it was right there. And so we get this idea, there's marching, there's excitement. Um, the disciples are in the crowd are a little bit confused. So Jesus's ministry, his three and a half year ministry is coming uh, to a conclusion. It's heading um, for Jerusalem. And that is where we see this, this one group of people. And so this other person on the divine intersection, the divine path, so to speak, is blind Bartimaeus. And so let's see what's gonna happen there. We could put, oh, it's up there, the pitiful condition. We see verse 46, we're gonna take a look at what might've been going on uh, with Bartimaeus this day. And so if you can imagine, can you imagine waking up in the morning and opening your eyes, but seeing nothing but darkness, stone black, utter darkness. That's what happened to 
blind Bartimaeus, not a sparkle of light, not a glimmer of light has ever passed through his eyes. I imagine him waking up and stumbling and groping, trying to find his beggar's cloak and, and his cane, right? Just, just kind of like he's been stumbling and kind of groping through life. He's had a beg, right? And for those days, uh, if you were blind, you had a beg. Because if you were blind, you couldn't work. And if you couldn't work, um, you couldn't make money. If you couldn't make money, you couldn't eat. If you couldn't eat, right, how do you live? So he had to beg. He was left with no other option. And I imagine he had some loved ones around him that had to help him every day get ready and go down to the, the city gate to beg. And I imagine Bartimaeus too, just feeling like he was just a burden to his family. Even if his family loved him and, and wanted to care for him, he probably felt like he was a burden um, to them surely. And not only was he a burden to his family, did he feel like, but that society in that day, he was outcasted, he was marginalized for. You see, in that day, blind people, the theology of that day is that if you were blind, it was because God's curse is on you. You're cursed by God. If you guys remember in John chapter nine, verse one, right in the beginning, right, they come across a blind man. And Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, you know, whose fault is it? Is it, is it his fault or is it his parents' fault that he's blind? Who sins, whose fault is it? And Jesus answers that question, right? He says, none of them specifically, right? But that the power of God might be known. And so we see here though, that people at that day, they thought he was cursed, right? And so they cast him aside. He was marginalized. He deserved what he got. And so we see that. And also you guys, he's helpless and he's hopeless. Remember this is first century Jericho. Modern advancements in medicine had not been made. Um, there's no optometrists, no eye surgeons. There's no braille, no government, government advocacy groups for the blind and the visually impaired, right? He's left hopeless. He's left in the dark. He's left helpless, dejected, and you know, found wanting. And so last to top things off, his name, his name is Bar Timaeus. Bar means son of Timaeus. The, the traditional translation for Timaeus in the Greek has a nuance of, of unclean, means unclean. And so we see here, we get this picture of uncleanliness too. Um, he may have been blind, but he surely wasn't dumb, right? He was gonna go and get set by the busiest roadside and maybe all of Israel, right? Side of, outside of Jericho's gates. And so his family probably dropped him off there. And I just picture him sitting there, getting ready to beg for the day, um, you know, dejected, sad, life passing them by, people passing by on the path, can't see a thing. And so we get this picture, but uh, we get this picture of his condition. And so as I said to you guys before, uh, Bartimaeus is a picture of us. His pitiful condition is our pitiful condition. And, and really everybody that's born since Adam's pitiful condition, right? We see in the scriptures, Romans 5 verse 12, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so also death was passed to all men because all have sinned. And the Bible says in Romans chapter three that no one seeks after God, that no one understands that all have gone astray and that everybody uh, falls short of the glory of God. And it's not only that, but there's a willful blindness that's in our spiritual condition too. Anybody who is a believer and has their eyes open to that state, you can look back on your life and you can say, I was willingly walking in darkness, right? And because that's our condition. We, we love the darkness rather than light. And there's something that God has to come in and turn the lights of our, of our heart on. But the willful blindness, John 3, 19, Jesus, is, Jesus touches on this. He says, this is the verdict. The verdict's out. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil, right? And so 
that, uh, that there's a willful blindness, but there's also a blindness that comes uh, from just living in this world, the blindness that comes because Satan put the veil over the eyes. And that we find in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 says this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded, the God of this age, the Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that's displayed in the glory of Christ. Now, have you ever shared Jesus with someone or shared the gospel and it was just like, the lights were on but nobody's home, right? It's actually someone's home but the lights are actually off, right? And the lights need to get turned on so they can receive that. But it's that spiritual condition of darkness that's the reason that they are blind. Uh, so many evidences that our condition is blind. I think one of the greatest evidences is, uh, is not realizing that you're actually blind. And that's a hard one to point out because if you don't know you're blind, how do you know? Like God has to have a little bit of light come in. But what comes to my mind is Revelation 3.17. Jesus says to churchgoers who are, who are looking at their, their physical condition, right? The Bible says essentially, if you will, that we have four sets of eyeballs two physical ones and two spiritual ones. Their spiritual ones were closed. And uh, Jesus says this in Revelation 3.17 to churchgoers. He says, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That would be a reality check. Yes, we are all born blind. So, so many things come to mind, the condition, right? Uh, born blind. I'm basically a good person, right? We're blind to the fact that, that God doesn't grade on a curve, right? God doesn't grade on a curve. His standard is perfection. We fall short of that st standard. There's nobody good, right? So we fall short. I'm a good person. You're blind to the spiritual need. I had a friend once tell me, I don't need some God in some book to tell me what is right or wrong. It's blindness. You absolutely do need the God in this book to have even a basis of, of any morality, right or wrong. Because if you take the, the God from this book out of the equation, you're left that we're all here by random chance over millions and billions of years of unguided processes and we're just left here with just sky above and earth be below, right? Where, is your, where do you have a basis of anything that you can say anything is right or wrong in the first place, right? No, we need the God of the Bible, um, the one who gives morality, the one who is a moral being to, to be able to do that. So people are blinded to that, blinded to their own condition, justifying sin, everybody does it, that's blind. Life's all about me. God is only here to give me what I want. People live like this, but that's blindness. It's blindness because it's a self-centered life and we weren't made to live for ourselves. Never thinking about eternity, blindness. So many people go through this life and never get a give a thought, right, about what's, what's happening afterwards. They fill their life with busyness or different things, right? And they don't think about eternity. They're blind to it. I cannot do it on my own, or I can do it all on my own, right? There's another blindness of, of pride that, that veils people from being able to come, from people really being able to see, right? And so I don't have to tell you guys, especially if uh, God has opened your eyes, you can look on the news, you can look around in this world, left is right, up is down, light is dark, and dark is light. It's, it's, it's evident, you know, turn on the news, look around, it's, it's so clear. So blind Bartimaeus's condition of blindness is our spiritual condition of blindness. And we see here also that Bartimaeus is poor. He's poor, that's our spiritual condition too, right? 
We don't meet that standard. There's a debt that needs to be paid for sin. And morally speaking, we're not just a few pennies short, but the Bible says that we're bankrupt, right? We have insufficient funds. And that's why Jesus had to come to pay for our sins. And that's why we need the one who is, who is rich in mercy to give us mercy because that's what we desperately need. So we are poor as well. And last, we see uh, from his name, Timaeus, this idea of unclean. We are, we are unclean. Our condition is unclean. Think about the things that... Think about the things that I've thought and the things that I've done and the things that I've said. You know, the, the human condition is, is dirty, right? And so we, we desperately need uh, our sins to be washed away, our sins to be cleansed, right? And so we see here, Bartimaeus' story is our story. He's blind, he's poor, he's unclean. Outside of Jesus, we're blind, we're poor, and we're unclean, and we need him to come in and change our, our condition. We need him to come in and change our life. And surely, even as Christians, we have blind spots in our lives, right? There's blind spots of, of, different, uh, of different things in our life. And you know, if we don't check the review mirror for blind spots, you know, we're gonna <laughs> have an accident, right? But overall speaking, God's opened uh, every believer's eyes to you know, who they truly are outside of God who God really is, that he's holy, that he's just, that he's loving, and that our greatest need isn't you know, a good job or, or money in the bank or even you know, a life of happiness. Our, our greatest need is for our sins to be forgiven, our dark sins to be forgiven and to be brought into a loving relationship with Jesus who is the light. John 8, 12 says this, I am the light of the world, Jesus speaking. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And Bart starts the story blind, poor, and dirty um, on the side of the road with life passing him by. Um, and that's every person's condition until the love of God comes in and, and changes things. So that's the pitiful condition. Let's move on to verse 47 and 49 where we will see uh, the persistent call. We'll hear the, hear the persistent call, so uh, actually. And so verse seven, 47 through 49 we start, see here, when he heard, speaking of Bartimaeus, that he heard uh, Jesus, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So what's going on here? Uh, I just imagine he's sitting there by the roadside begging, and all of a sudden he hears this commotion, he hears this roar, he hears these feet marching, it's a little bit louder than it had been in the past, and he, he knows something big is coming, right? And so he's asking, and another, another gospel account tells us that he's asking what's going on. And somebody leans into him and tells him, Jesus of, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And we see here, he responds, he shouts, he shouts, he jumps up and shouts, son of David, have mercy on me. And so I was thinking, what prompted him to respond like that? What prompted him to respond? And uh, the reality is he'd been sitting up by that roadside, probably being a beggar. He'd probably been sitting at, at that city gate for a long time. And the last three and, a three and a half years, he had been hearing about this Jesus of, of, uh, of Nazareth. And uh, I would submit to you, faith comes by hearing and hearing, hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But I imagine within the three and a half years, some people, I, I could see them coming from Capernaum, right? And they, I hear them saying this and within earshot of blind Bartimaeus, the, that his eyes don't work, but his ears are working overtime, right? And he says, I can hear people saying, did you hear about Pastor Jarius? His daughter got sick and she died. She was really dead, 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 just not, not just partially dead. And Jesus of Nazareth, he came and he grabbed this girl's hand and he raised her from the dead. Yeah, I could hear him saying, it's true, I saw her. She's, she's alive and well today. She's sitting in synagogue last Saturday. Bartimaeus heard this. 
right? I can imagine another group coming from the Gerasenes talking about this crazed, demoniac man named Legion, right? And I can see him talking about this guy was crazy. He, was, we had a, he had to be chained up and he was a wild man. He was cutting himself and he was, he was possessed by demons. This was crazy. And, and Jesus passed by. Jesus passed by and saw him as need. He casted the demons out. And now, now uh, um, Legion is in his right mind. He's serving the Lord. He's serving his community. I imagine he heard about this, right? For Jesus' fame had been spreading throughout the region. And then I think this is the one that did him in, though. I imagine he heard a group coming from Bethsaida, and they were talking about the man that was born blind, right? And that Jesus had taken him to the side and touched his eyes and healed him, and that blind man now sees. And that was probably all that that Bartimaeus needed, right? He said, if he did it for that blind man, he could do it for me. And I believe this is maybe where that mustard seed of faith, that, that is maybe the inception of that, right? And so he jumps out and he shouts, son of David, what's going on there? Son of David, it's a messianic title from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11. If you guys remember, uh, David wanted to build, build God a temple. But God said, no, you can't do that. You have too much blood on your hands, but I'm gonna make you a promise. And here's my promise, that from your line, your descendants, from your lineage, there's gonna be the Messiah. And there's gonna be, there's gonna be a king that's gonna reign and his kingdom's gonna be everlasting. And so Bartimaeus cries out, that's him. And surely Bartimaeus had maybe sat in synagogue before, or he had loved ones in his life that read Isaiah chapter 61 to him. Isaiah 61, you guys remember, this is the one Jesus in Luke chapter four, he was in his hometown, goes into synagogue, and the, the leaders asked him, hey, would you read from Isaiah, right? And he says, don't mind if I do. And he says, he reads this scripture from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Bartimaeus check, saying, check, check, check. Messiah, that's the Messiah. And that's what he's saying. Son of David, he's saying he's the one. He's the, he's the, the coming savior. And so that's what he's saying. It's a, a profession of his faith in, in Jesus. And notice what he says next. He says, have mercy on me. A cry for mercy is a plea to withhold a deserved punishment. It is a desperate plea for help. He is crying, see me in my pitiful state and help me. Notice a couple of things that he doesn't say, you guys. He doesn't say, son of David, I don't deserve this. I deserve to see like everyone else. You see, an entitled attitude is incompatible with the cry for mercy. God doesn't owe us a thing. And if we were to give what we, be given what we deserve for rebelling against God and sinning against him, separating from life, all we would ever know is darkness. And so we don't deserve anything. We have to come to God uh, begging for mercy, um, in a humble way. We also see this. We didn't see him cry out in a prideful sense of entitlement. Son, son of David, you owe me. You healed that other blind man. And I live a little bit better than he does. So, you know, chop, chop, fix my eyes. <laughs> and we don't see him yell out, son of David, carry along. I don't need you. I got this on my own. He doesn't say that, right? He comes in humility. And I'm convinced, and biblically speaking, that's the only way that we could come to God because God rejects the prideful, right? But gives grace to the humble. We have to come from him. And I'm convinced uh, crying out for mercy isn't just for uh, unbelievers to be saved, but it's for believers 
to be sanctified is for believers uh, to live the Christian life. We, we are in desperate need for God's mercy. I mean, we desperately need um, his mercy. We fall short. We struggle in our faith. There are things that eat at us. Sometimes we respond to the test of, lives, uh, the test of life poorly. Um, sometimes we just fail miserably and we can be a, for, a poor reflection of what a Christian looks like. But know this, uh, Hosea 6, 6, uh, God says that he desires mercy and not sacrifice. And so he's not, we're not to, when we come to those, those crossroads as Christians, we're not to throw the gloves off and try to duke it out and fight in our own strength, right? In our own volition, right? We're supposed to call on the mercy of God because that scripture is saying that more than what we can do for God, more than, you know, gritting our teeth and say, I'm gonna do better tomorrow. You know, I got this. I'm gonna do better tomorrow. I'm just gonna try harder. More than what we could do for God, he wants us to recognize how much we need him. He wants us to cry out for mercy. This is a pretty amazing thing. Like I said, he doesn't want us to fake this, this, uh, this facade or have this fake strength. I love Psalm 147, verse 10 and 11. I think it'll be on the screen, but he says, God is saying, he says, I, don't, I do not delight in the strength of horse, the strength of the horse, right? God doesn't care about horsepower. He takes no pleasure, pleasure in the legs of man, right? He doesn't care about man's strength. You see, the legs are the strongest part of the human body. That's why you can see, you know, really skinny people in the gym and they do the leg press and they have a bunch of weight stacked onto it, right? Um, because the leg's the strongest part of, of a human body. And God's saying, I don't care about man's strength. And he says this, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Not a strange, not weird, like boogeyman type of fear, but, but like a healthy reverence for God. And he finishes he finishes, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy and those who hope in his unfailing love. He wants us to humbly come to him and cry out for his mercy, just like Bart, passionately and persistently. But we see here the disciples. We know it's disciples from another account. They were the ones in the front. And it says that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Man, that, that word rebuked is a strong word. Right, it's not like, hey, you know, like there's something going on a little bit. Jesus is coming by. Like, can you like keep down? It's, shut up, Bartimaeus. Yeah. Be quiet. Pipe down. Can't you see we got something important going on? We're marching. We're going to Jerusalem. Jesus is gonna take over. You know, we're gonna take over with him. He doesn't have time for you. Oh man, what poor comforters the disciples were at this time, and they should have known too. They've been around Jesus for three and a half years, and Jesus didn't just say. Uh, to be a servant, but he lived it. He was a perfect example, right? He came into this world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we see just in the chapter right before this, Mark chapter nine, Jesus was revealing to his disciples, I'm gonna, you know, what's gonna happen to me over here? And they, they were just blinded to it. They, they didn't see. And I'm, what's gonna happen to me is that I'm gonna be betrayed. I'm gonna be beaten and I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna die. And the disciples, you know, are right after that arguing about who's the greatest. They're having the goat debate. Who's the greatest of all time? Who's the best disciple, you know? And, and Jesus says this to them. He's like, you wanna be great? Verse 35, he says, of chapter nine, he says, you wanna be great? He's like, you must be the servant of all. Here's the opportunity with Bartimaeus to be a servant of all. And they failed, right? Mark chapter 10, the passage right before this. Jesus again tells his disciples what's gonna happen. Gives a little bit more details this time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be betrayed. I'm gonna be given over to the Romans. I'm gonna be, be beaten. I'm gonna be flogged. I'm gonna be spit on. And then I'm gonna die. 
And right after that, James and John come up to him. They say, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. We want you to do something for us. And the, what they requested, what their request was, we wanna be number one and number two in your coming kingdom. We want the places of honor on your right and left hand. And Jesus gets them together again and he says, come on, you guys, you guys wanna be great. You guys wanna be a champion in God's kingdom. He's like, you gotta be a slave to all. Another opportunity to be a slave to all. And they failed, right? This was the perfect opportunity for them to serve, to follow what Jesus had been teaching them. Perfect opportunity to grab Bart, this blind man's hand, and lead him over to Jesus, right? For Jesus is the only one that could help him. Um, my wrestling coach, a couple years back, had shared a poem with me, and I wanna read it to you. It's called, I Stand by the Door. Here, it goes like this. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men walk when they meet God. And all that, and all that so many ever find in, the, in this world is only a wall where a door ought to be. And they creep along the wall like blind, blind man with outstretched groping hands, feeling for the door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never, they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing any man can do is to take hold of one of those blind groping hands and to put it on the latch. Men die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter. They die for a want that is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it. They live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find the door and open and walk in and find him. And Jesus is that door. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And our job as disciples is to, is to find people in distress, to find people uh, physically or whatever, or spiritually in, in need, and to take them by the hand and to lead them, to serve them, to minister to them and lead them to the door, which is Jesus, the only way to heaven, the only way that their condition may be met, their greatest need may be met. Man, I'm super glad that, uh, yeah, that the, that the disciples, um, or that Bartimaeus uh, didn't listen to the discouragement of the disciples, but instead he was persistent. We see here in verse 48, he says, all the more, even with that, all the more, the son of, he cried out, the son of David, he cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. I love this. I love this. They're telling him to pipe down. They're telling him to be quiet. And he's like, whatever, all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, be quiet, Bart. Son of David, have mercy on me. I love this. He didn't care what others thought. He didn't care that he was making a scene. He didn't care about anything, right? He wasn't so self-conscious that he was like, I don't know if I'm gonna do this, right? He know, he saw the need and he saw his opportunity was right before him. And it could be his last opportunity and very much so historically speaking, it was because Jesus was gonna be on the cross within a week. And so he saw his desperate, desperate need Right? And that's where this persistence came from. This persistent call from Bart was birthed out of a clear reality of his desperate, desperate need and an absolute belief that Jesus was the only one that could help him. And so I was thinking, I was trying to think of a situation maybe in this, in this world that, uh, that would cause me to be in a place where, where it didn't matter what anything was going on. I was gonna, I'd be crying out for help no matter what. And it came to me spelunking. Spelunking is uh, cave exploring. And I remember going on a sixth grade field trip, being in, you know, going into this dark cave with narrow passages and pitch black, except for the lights that we had on. And I just remember thinking like, 
if that, where we came in, if that thing gets closed off, it's only a matter of time before our lights are gonna go out and we're gonna be stuck in this pitiful, dark, horrifying thing. And I do not care what anyone were to tell me. If I was in that position, I would be screaming with every ounce of energy in me, help me. If people told me to you know, be quiet or something like that, I don't care if the whole world told me to be quiet, I would be yelling out because of that desperate, that desperate need of that, that horrible situation, that horrible condition. And I would propose to you that outside of Jesus Christ, the condition that you're in and that awaits is far, far worse than being stuck in a cave with the lights going out. It's as scary as that sound, and that's why we need the lights to come on. That's why we need to cry out to God uh, in mercy to save us. But we have to have the eyes to see our spiritual condition, and that's the fate if we don't if we don't turn to God and receive His forgiveness and and get the light bulbs um, turned on. And so this is what's amazing about the scripture. So simple. Romans ten seventeen. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So amazing. I titled this section right here, this middle section, The Persistent Call. And though Bart was persistent, um, I didn't have him in mind. Though this day he was calling out, um, persistently calling out to Jesus, son of David, save me, son of David, save me. Who I had in mind was actually the persistent call of God. For God had been calling Bartimaeus his whole life. We see in 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, this scripture, it says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Not because we're good, right? But because he's good. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before when? The beginning of time. Christ had been calling out to Bartimaeus his whole life. And he'd been calling out to any of us who have answered that call. He'd been calling out to us our whole life. But with Bartimaeus, I imagine, um, this, it was God who was sovereign over all matters in the world that put certain people in his life, maybe brothers or sisters throughout his life that told him about this great Messiah, this amazing uh, savior. It was people in his life. It was God's sovereign hand that was calling him in that way. It was God's loving kindness that had been with him and comforted him through dark times in his life and kept him going up until that point right there. It was God who had been drawing him and it was God who had been calling him it was this good God that had given this man a conscience that had been poking at him and calling him, telling him that he needs to come to the Lord, that he needs a savior. It was this sovereign call that directs people's steps that caused him to be outside on this particular day at this particular time with this particular group that had Jesus there at that time, right? God was calling him. It was this loving God that though Bartimaeus had no eyesight, gave him great insight into his spiritual condition and that he called out to the, to the son of God, right? And so it was God that had really been calling him the whole time. And this call of God, as we've seen here in, in 2 Timothy, it was birthed since the foundations of this world, right? But it was perfectly realized for us to, to lay a hold of at the cross of Christ, right? And it was, it was his beckoning. It was God calling in his love that opened a lot of our eyes to our, our state. And, I love this hymn. It's called Give Me Sight, O Savior. Um, it says this. He says, Give me sight, O Savior, of your great love for me, the love that brought you here to die on Calvary. Was it the nails, my Jesus, that hung you to the tree? No, it was your steadfast love for me, for me. And it goes on to say, help me to understand it. Help me take it in what it means, my Jesus, for you to bear my sin. 
right? God's been calling. He's been calling. His loving heart's been beckoning us. His loving call, his loving call has been, been calling. And I submit to you that he's calling to you today, right? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, and says to you this morning, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm, I'm gentle and I'm humble and you will find rest for your souls for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. He's calling that today. God's call is persistent. God calls the whosoever will come, right? And he promises that whoever does come, he'll by no means cast out. But you have to come while there's still breath in your lungs. You have to come while that heart is still beating, right? Because the Bible says that it's appointed to a man once to die, and then there's a judgment where you'll stand before God, and you have to give a, an account of, of your life. And if your sins haven't been judged on Jesus Christ, then you'll be judged for those sins, and there's no other option but to be cast out. So call on the name of the Lord today, for he has been calling on you. And last, before we move on to the last point, we have to stop here and notice this. Jesus stopped, right? The son of God, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, right? The one who made the whole universe is there in the flesh. And it was like, as time stood still, and I just imagine the picture in my head, right? Jesus stops and it's like dominoes aligned after him. They're bumping into each other, right? Almost as time has stood still and Jesus pauses to do what? To minister and to serve to Bartimaeus in his need. Jesus stops. Remember, Bartimaeus is a picture of us, right? Blind Bartimaeus, blind Joe, blind Phil in your name. Jesus stops. He sees us in our desperate need. He sees us in our condition. He sees us in our time of trial. He sees us in our affliction, right? And he takes time to stop. That's amazing. You guys, even thinking about this, Jesus was on it. Where was he going? He was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on the way to the cross. He knew, humanly speaking, what, what awaited him, the, the, the terror and the, uh, the affliction and the mocking and the beating. He knew that was coming, and yet still, he still took the time to stop. Man, this is so, so amazing. So amazing. So we see here, you guys, at the end of this, verse 49, the disciples changed their tune, right? They were just telling him to zip the lip, and now things change. I can, imagine the, I can imagine this, right? They're just talking to Bartimaeus. Hey, be quiet. Shut up, man. We got things going on. Things are going on right now, you know? Be quiet. Son of David, be quiet. And uh, imagine they hear Jesus saying, call, call him. And they change their tune really quick. You know, they say instead of, oh, what I, what I was saying, shut up. Actually, what I meant is cheer up. <laughs> cheer up on your feet for the Lord is calling you. Let's go, buddy. And... Uh, Man, it didn't matter to Bartimaeus, though. It didn't matter to him. He was just ecstatic to be, be called by, by Jesus, right? And so we looked at the pitiful condition. We heard about the persistent call. Now we're gonna conclude with the precious conversion in verses 50 through 52. So it's up on the screen. Verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Man, what's this about, throwing his cloak aside? I, I think it's hilarious too, because it's like, I imagine that's pretty dangerous for a blind man just to all of a sudden jump to his feet, but he, like, he didn't care. He knew God was calling him. He was excited. This is my opportunity. He jumps to his feet, but he throws that blind beggar's cloak off of him, throws it to the side. And so what, is it, what does this mean? I think it, it means a couple of things, you guys, something that we could take application-wise. But what, what, this, what this was, the, the beggar's um, cloak, was how they collected alms. So they would sit down on the roadside and they would lay this cloak in their lap, right? And make a little pocket. And that's where people would go by and 
drop money in or drop food in, right? So it's like the open guitar case, uh, so to speak, uh, of today. And so he cast it aside. It's, it's faith in action. He, he saw and he believed that Jesus was gonna heal him or else he wouldn't have cast it aside. He wouldn't have just thrown it off nonchalantly to the side, right? Because if Jesus doesn't heal his, heal his eyes, where's his means to make it through the next day, right? So he believed that Jesus was gonna do what, he, what, what the scriptures said he was gonna do so that he had, he, it shows faith. He cast it aside. I'm not gonna need this anymore. Jesus is gonna meet my need. He's gonna meet what I desperately need. And the next thing is that these cloaks were kind of big and heavy and because and, uh, they keep them warm at night and you know, it could be a padding sometimes to sit on it. So these things were heavy. And so he was casting aside whatever was gonna hinder him from coming to Jesus, anything that was gonna slow him down, right? So that's another application for us. If there's anything that's slowing us down from, from coming to Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, what is that thing that's keeping you from coming? You know, relationships, money, uh, pride, selfishness. I cast those things aside. Reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that so easily hinders us and entangles us and let us cast aside the sins and let us run the race, right, with endurance, the one that God set before us. Right? And so we see this idea, cast aside anything that's slowing you down, anything that's keeping you from Jesus, cast it aside, it's not worth it. Be like blind Bartimaeus, cast it aside and, and run to Jesus. And we, next we see, imagine he gets there uh, and he comes to Jesus. I don't know how he got there. I don't know if people led him or if, if he was just so ambitious, he was just tripping his way all the way to the sound of Jesus's voice. But when he gets there, we see Jesus say this. He says, what do you want me to do for you? It's an amazing thing, and um, it's amazing that God would say that to us, but I think uh, even more so, even maybe than Bartimaeus, I think the disciples heard this, and it was like a, it was like a, a zinger. It was a shot at them, because um, right before this passage, I told you guys, we had talked about it a little bit, but James and John, after Jesus just explained all that he would have to go through, James and John come to Jesus and say, we want you to do something for us, and Jesus responds these very same words. What do you want me to do for you, right? And where the disciples responded with, I want power, I want prestige, right? I want honor, I want glory. Bartimaeus cries out in mercy, give me sight. And what does he use this sight for? He used the sight as we see at the end of this verse. He used the sight to follow Jesus on the road, right? But first, let's pause real quick and I wanna hit on a couple of things in closing. Rabbi, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, and he says, Rabbi, which the, the word there is Rabbani, which is a personal, uh, it's like a personal um, identification with Jesus. It's a personal call, personal master, personal teacher. It's not just a general rabbi, but it's Rabboni, personal. So he's identifying that Jesus is, is his personal master, is his personal teacher. And next, I wanna see, I wanted to focus on this because faith. We say, Jesus says, go, your, your faith has healed you. And so I wanna talk about faith real quick, quick. What is biblical faith? There's so much that's misconstrued what faith is. And so I wanna set that straight really quick. It's not some mystical, weird power that you can access or tap into, so to speak, right? Um, it's not believing something that you want so bad and just continuing to believe it, believe it, believe it until you get what you want, right? That's not faith. Faith is rooted in a person and it's rooted in God's promises. Faith is rooted in a person and promises, and that's exactly what happens with Bartimaeus, son of David, person, Messiah, 
open my, heal, I believe you to, to do what the Messiah, the scriptures say the Messiah to do, you can open my eyes. And he had faith and he showed faith to do that. And so for us, uh, with salvation, it's the same thing, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a person of faith in a person, Jesus, and that he could save us from our sins. For whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a faith on the promises of God, right? And that's where salvation comes. And that's exactly what happens here. The word here is healed, but that, that word in the Greek is sozo. It means saved, right? And so Bartimaeus isn't just getting a new set of eyeballs, right? But he's getting a brand new soul, soul that's eyes are never gonna close, right? Even though Bartimaeus died, he's got a soul that's gonna live forever because he's saved by God's grace through faith, right? It's God's grace through faith. And so that's what we see here. It's biblical faith rooted in a person and a promise. He's healed. This is sozo. This is salvation. He's not, not just a new set of eyes. And I wanted to say this to imagine uh, another account says that he says, he touches him in his, in his eyes and he says, go, your, your faith has healed you. And Bartimaeus' eyes open. I can't imagine what he experienced for the first time, right? Being able to see colored light shining in his, in, in his face. But the first thing that he saw was the face of Jesus. Can you imagine that? The one who made him, the one who just healed his eyes, the one who he heard his call, his, the call his whole life, he opens to physically Jesus' face being there. And I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait also to the day where, where our eyes will be closed in this life, but open to the next life. And that we'll behold and we'll be able to see the one who made us, the one who loves us, the one who died on the cross for our sins, right? The one who'd been calling us our whole life, we'll be able to see him face to face. And that's a precious promise for us. Um, I'm gonna finish up with this. You guys, we notice here, that Jesus healed his eyes, he gets his eyes. First thing he sees is Jesus, and then it says immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. He used that, his eyes not to go do his own thing, but he used, that, he used his eyes to follow Jesus on the road. And where was Jesus heading? Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. Jesus was heading to the cross. And so Bartimaeus surely was heading, followed Jesus, and his brand new eyes probably got to witness the agonies and the horrors and what Jesus went through for his sin and for our sin. But surely you guys know the story doesn't stop there. Bartimaeus was sure with those new eyes to witness also the resurrected Lord, which is our precious hope and his precious hope. And uh, now Bartimaeus has eyes forever, right? In heaven, he's got his eyes to see. And so in closing, I wanted to show a slide. I just wanted to show the contrast, this pitiful condition to this precious conversion. So Bartimaeus started off, we see in the story, he's blind. He's a poor beggar. He's sitting on the side of the road. Life's passing him by. He's hopeless and he's helpless. He's a nobody, unclean. And he, Bartimaeus, which means son of unclean. And after an incredible encounter with Jesus, involved with Jesus's love, his compassion, his healing touch, mixed with the cry of his cry for mercy and, and faith, we, we see the result of the precious conversion. We see that he's no longer blind, but he's a man with eyes that see. And he's no longer a beggar, but he's a, dis, a disciple. He's no longer sitting on the roadside with life passing him by, but he is on the road following Jesus right in the middle of life itself. 
He's not hopeless and helpless, but full of gratitude and joy for the other gospels. I didn't bring this up, but the other, another gospel, Luke's account said that he was on his way on the road and it says, giving glory to God. So he's joyfully singing to the Lord. So he's not hopeless and helpless, it's gratitude. He's joyful, he's singing, he's a worshiper now. He's not a nobody anymore, he is a somebody. Uh, Jesus stopped for him, he is significant. You guys know that in Mark's gospel, Bartimaeus is the only person that Jesus heals that we know his name. Jesus, or a Bartimaeus is a somebody, he is a trophy of God's grace and God's mercy. Unclean, he went from unclean to clean with all of his sins washed away, and he went from son of unclean, and by the precious blood of God's own son, he was brought into the family as the son of the most high God. So he went from the son of unclean to the son of the most high God. And I wanna finish with this scripture, John chapter one, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, which blind Bart did, and to all who, who believed in his name, which blind Bart did, he gave them the right to become children of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you oh, so much for your mercy, God, and your grace in our lives, God. I pray if there's anyone here tonight, God, that, that hasn't called on your name or, or the light hasn't been, uh, the light to his eyes, spiritually speaking, haven't been opened, that today there would be a glimmer of light that, that, that had shone, th shone through by God's grace and that there would be a response, a response to cry for mercy, a response to trust you, a response to have a faith in your person and your promises, God, that you'll save whoever calls on your name, God. And for those of us who do believe, God, it's just amazing that you stop for blind Bartimaeus and you'll stop for us, God. You'll see us in our need. You'll see us in our desperation. Life can be hard sometimes, God. And so we call out to you. We need your mercy every single day, God. So we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for all that you will do. And most importantly, we thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.